Welcome in. This is your live chat for this week's The Northern Trust. Yes, the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs and the next one hour approximately is yours. Time's yours. Ownership, question and answer, props, top 10. I don't care. Whatever you want to talk about, uh, it's your time. Throw it in the chat while you're there. Hit the like button. Thank you very much. It goes a long way. A couple of items as everyone starts to funnel in here. This is brought to you by our friends over at Jock Market. Talk about them in just a little bit, but there is another um, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, power hour tonight. All things stock market DFS. It's the most critical time. I also did just send out moments ago the Run Good Rundown. I will show you parts of that. It's an email newsletter of all the things that kind of come up and don't really matter. Little nuggets I come across over the course of the week and don't have anywhere to go. I throw them all into a post and I email it out. You can subscribe to that. The link is in the description. Uh, but let's not waste any more time. Oh, and I have a little surprise from one of the tools coming up that I think you may be interested in. We'll see how long it takes us to get there. Max says, any love for CT Pan as a cheapy play this week? Seems to have his game trending in the right direction. Well, finished what? Bronze in Tokyo. Uh, what has he done since then? Played the Wyndham Championship. Impressive. Impressive off the tee numbers for a guy who's not particularly long. Uh, Bentgrass is one of his better surfaces. He's coming off of a, a really poor putting week. Whoops. There we go. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I don't mind that. I mean, I think it is exactly what you described it as like a, a cheapy play and maybe you're catching him heading in the right direction. I don't, I don't think it's anything more than that. Brandon says FanDuel Sportsbook uh, has speed to shoot par or better in round one boosted to even money. Do you think this is a good bet? Uh, first of all, I, I, I love that FanDuel has invested in a in a golfer and a big time golfer. So that's always exciting to see uh, that rocket ship emoji up into the right for our little space is is exciting. Um, yeah, so I I never show this page because this page doesn't matter on the PGA Tours website. It's literally just the round by round stuff, but it's kind of the easiest way to look back at how often a golfer what what they shoot right. And if you look at Jordan Spieth's rounds. I mean, he had an over par round. I think two of them at the U.S. Open, not going to knock him for that. One at the Memorial, two at the PGA Championship. I, I mean, there's, it's, I don't want to say there's nothing certain, but he is certainly a favorite to be under par in any given round of this event at Liberty National, let alone uh, the first. So yes, I think that is indeed a good bet. Is it too early to ask about the run good one and done? Um, sure, let's talk about it. There will not be a one and done. Uh, I don't know if I've announced that anywhere, so I guess I guess this is the place to be. Um, I originally created that one and done because I wanted something that started with the new season instead of waiting until January and there were no other options. And I, I enjoyed it. The other thing is, um, I don't have the software in place to run a one and done, you know, it's all being done through, uh, Google forms and things like that. It's a lot of work. Um, I think we were the only one and done, not taking a cut of it. Like you might not know this, but the one and done's that you're in, um, they're taking a cut of the prize pool. I am not. And I don't want to, and I don't want to get to the point where I have to. So what I've actually done is I'm trying to get, uh, and I don't want to name them because I've reached out to them privately. One of the sites that, that I think does a really good job. And I am kind of nudging them to start with the new season so that we can all join 
there and we can all play starting with the new season. So um, I don't want to out them because I don't know what the final answer is going to be, but that's, that's my goal, but there will not be a run good one and done. Sorry about that. What is the ownership line on Morikawa at which he becomes a bad play? And does he get to that line? Interesting. So I currently have him at 17%. That's pretty fair, right? I mean, anything up to, I think you'd have to start being a little bit worried, Evan, when, when any golfer, um, and this includes Colin Morikawa gets to like 21%, especially with the other really good options around him, 21, 22, I'm starting to scratch my head, 23, 24, I'm thinking, probably find somewhere else, but where, where we're at right now with 17, and I think it's going to stay there. You know, there are so many other good options. If you made me bet, I think Rory's going to come in higher than the number that I have Matt right now, which is 16%. I think Morikawa probably stays there or goes a little bit lower. I could see John Rahm coming in a little bit more popular than 21% just because of how good he is. So, um, I, I think that, I think you're safe on, on Morikawa ownership for, for the time being. Joe says, hey, Rick, in single entries this week, who's your favorite in the 10K or do you fade that tier and load up on 9 and 8K, guys? No, I don't think I'm going to fade it. Um, I think my favorite is Rory. Uh, when you when you consider ownership, or excuse me, ownership salary uh, and recent form, I think, I think Rory's the guy. I probably rank them Rory, Spieth, Rom, something like that. If you really need a pivot, um, you know, Brooks at 8% is very enticing. But I think just straight up with, with all the other stuff, it's those three. Hank says, who in the 8,500 to 9,500 have you grown on and who have you cooled? I like just about everyone in this range. I'm struggling in this, in this uh, section. All right, so 85 to 95. I am uh, continuing to warm on Hideki. You know, I, I've probably showed this and let me, let, me just, let me just unveil this. Here's the new Holy Grail. Um, if you have seen the Holy Grail before, it was every strokes gain round dating back to 2015. That has been extended into um, 2011. And I'll continue to go further until I have every strokes gain round ever created. Um, additionally, I have results dating back on the PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, and the uh, Champions Tour uh, going back to like 1988. Um, so there's just a ton of results in here. There's just a ton of data in here. There's um, updated fantasy data with with DraftKings points gains. There's an updated uh, stats tab, which allows you to choose any rounds that you want, any you know, last 50, 20, 18, whatever you want, and compare the guys in the field against one another to see all the ranks for every single player uh, or every single stat on the PGA Tour. So this is the new update. There is more to come, but I hope you enjoy it. So who from the 8K... 8,500 range is, is going to be, is going to be good here. So I, I, I'm still very, very partial to Hideki and Hideki is someone that I think is laying a, a pretty interesting blueprint, right? And we kind of discussed this a little bit, but when you look at uh, the ball striking, the approach numbers for him, he's just absolutely bonkers good. And the putter has been bad. We know that. Um, but bent grass is a surface that he's generally a zero on. And the two days off at the Wyndham Championship, I certainly don't mind. And if you also want to look at kind of strength of field numbers, so this is something else I added to the Holy Grail. He plays well, uh, or at least well enough in, in kind of these more difficult situations. The FedEx St. Judy finished runner up. We know that he had a putt to win that event there. So a lot of interesting things in the new Holy Grail. Uh, Hideki is someone I'm still pretty laser focused on someone that I've cooled on. Ooh, good question. Um, Patrick Reed, 
I think Reed is, is fine. I think that he gets the bump from being the 2019 champion, which is the last time that we played this at Liberty National. I think that uh, I, I really worry about this stretch. You know, he, for when, when Reed is going really good, he has kind of this go-to shot off the tee that he can at least be a zero with the driver. We're not seeing that. We're le- seeing him lose strokes on approach. Uh, the putter's fine. I don't think he's going to lose that, but I just, I just worry that he's playing out of position too much to really take advantage of the putter. So that's, that's to me, probably someone I'm cooling on any feel on shank this week. I like his upside says Mike. Yeah, I'm generally fine with shank. He's gotten a little bit more volatile, which I think is, is good. Um, the putter, the flat stick, the thing that you're going to have to use to, to make, to make some birdies this week has been really, really good for him. And he's volatile a little bit on approach, but more good than bad, which is, I think what you were, what you were alluding to there. Um, what I do like, and this isn't going to be something that, uh, I want to rely on, but he finished fourth losing strokes on approach. It's scary. It's unsustainable, but there's not many guys that can do that. He did that at the John Deere classic. So it's kind of interesting. Is this a Matt and Bryson week? You play one, you play both. Thanks for the great tools, Rick. Who's Matt? Oh, I think, I guess in this case it's Wolf, uh, which <laughs> Matt, Matt is not like a one word name that I know who you're talking about. There's probably like four Matt's in this field. Um, I, I think your answer, your question is about Wolf and Bryson. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure when you look at Liberty national one, we don't have a ton of data on it. And two, it, it is a course that I think is going to be fairly straightforward. A lot of it is out in front of you. You need to have all aspects of your game in place. I think distance as it is every week is going to be uh, an advantage, but I don't think distance and lack of accuracy versus, and also with like thick rough, like that's the time that I think you play one play both. I'm not sure that's necessarily the case here. Although I do like Bryson quite a bit. Sid says, uh, Sungjae struck it well the last two weeks and with two of his worst putting performances ever. What do you think of taking it outright on him at 70 to one? Um, yeah. So Sung Jay was someone that last week, I think I actually bet him last week because I, I thought a, a very similar thing to you, which is this putting is probably not going to continue. He's lost four and a half strokes in Memphis. He lost 2.3 at the Wyndham Championship. Those were kind of outlier weeks for him. And you imagine at some point that's going to come back, not only because you expect guys to go back to your baseline, but also that's a very volatile situation. And the ball striking, if you're looking at his off the tee and approach numbers, is much more reminiscent of what we saw from him down the stretch. Well, maybe it was like here early 2020, where he had the win at the Honda Classic. He had the third place finish at the API. And then of course, um, the tour shuts down, but we're starting to see that version of Sung Jay and also the version that ended 2020, which is kind of the, the run he made at, at, at Wyndham, the run he made at the tour championship played okay at the U S open. So, um, that's the version of Sung Jay that I hope we're getting once the, once the putter comes back. Phil is coming off a pretty good all-around performance at FedEx and seems like he might be the lowest owned golfer over 7K. See, Phil is kind of hard to uh, figure out with the ownership, but you're right. I have met about 1%. I think he'll come in a little bit more than that. You know, he is surrounded by guys that are going to be more popular, 9.5% for Munoz and Grace and a little bit more for Tringale, but I still think Phil's kind of popular. It might be like 2%, which I know is not crazy, but... um, something to something to consider there. If we look at what he's done. Yeah, I'm not as optimistic. Um, I guess it was kind of all around, but he was within one and a half of zero in every direction. 
I guess it's not the worst case scenario. I just, I'm not seeing this maybe as, as big of a positive as you are, especially with the fact that the five previous starts, he had lost strokes to the field. I'm, I'm not as optimistic. Can you dive into McElroy? Thank you, Denver, Timmy. I was waiting for somebody to give me the excuse to do the McElroy rant. He says, also, your game is looking pretty good. Ball striking is solid, putting solid. Uh, yeah, just curious what's in your bag. Yeah, I'll do a what's in the bag. So I've been making these golf vlogs where I play a couple of episodes out. You can check them out on my YouTube channel. Um, I'll dive into a what's in the bag episode at some point. But there's a lot going for Rory McIlroy here. So let's just, here is uh, the run good rundown. A couple of things that I, that I note in here. Uh, Rory is back. Okay, so basically his last six measured events, uh, he has gained over 27 strokes on approach. It's important because when the tour returned last summer, uh, that was the one thing that never came back for him. How often was he scratching his head with the wedges? How often was he kind of struggling with his distance control on approach? And that's the one thing that kind of really let him down. And he's back. Uh, now we're seeing for basically just the third time, a six event stretch in which he has gained at least 25 strokes on approach. And you look at the other stretches, stretch number one, summer of 2019, win, missed cut, T8, T8, win, T6. Stretch three, stretch two doesn't count because there were six months in between. Stretch three, T10, win, win, T25, T5, T7. This is when he gets going this way, it is uh, it's dangerous and it essentially puts him on the first page of the leaderboard constantly with a really good chance to win. So I have bet him at 22 to one. I'm, I'm very much on the Rory McElroy, uh, bandwagon this week. I just think everyone is really lining up for him besides Rory. Oh, the non-Olympic medalist, that would be McElroy. Who are you playing in DFS GPPs the most above 9,500? Okay, so um, the idea, the thing that I did uh, is is a Rory, a Rory Bryson combo. Uh, not only because I think that Bryson is similarly figuring it out, but also uh, $9,600 for a guy who is uh, legit, legit high upside winning golfer is super enticing. I worry about the crowds for sure, but he's trending in the right direction. And at 8% ownership, if I can get two guys who I think have a lot of win equity and they're not all that expensive, right? Combined their 19,600, it does not really handy handcuff me uh, into a lot of other things. So that is um, certainly something that I'm, that I'm interested in. Um, jock market. They are uh, the sponsor of this show. They are more than a sponsor. It, it is a partnership. I, you guys know, I don't partner, like you don't hear me doing a bunch of sponsor reads and stuff, right? Like I really only partner with things that I believe in. And jock market is, is certainly one of those. And we have a, a, a long-term, a really good relationship. So this is stock market DFS. This is where you buy and sell shares of golfers. And to give you an idea of how that works, you know, when all of our Russell Henley tickets crashed and burned, on Sunday and we got nothing in return. If you had shares of Russell Henley, you still made out. Okay. Because last Wednesday he sold for $7 and 31 cents and his final payout was $12 a share, which means you made over $4 and 50 cents a share. So if you had 10 shares, $45, if you had hundred shares, $450. So it's just kind of a different way to invest in these golfers. And you'll see, look, I mean, Brandon Grace was $3.75. He paid out $15 a share. Kevin Kisner was $5 a share. 
he paid out $25 a share. So just a much different way uh, to be able to get access to these golfers that really you're only asking them uh, to outperform their expectation, which is something that I really do like. So join Joe Idonia and myself tonight at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to do a jock market power hour. If you use the code RICK to deposit, uh, $50 deposit bonus is the best bonus available to you. Okay. Um, 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 uh, it's a good course fit for, is this a good course fit for Fitzpatrick? Since you broke the news of his latest round, I can't get Sia stating it's a done deal out of my head. You almost have to bet a few bucks on him at 66 to one. So if you missed this, um, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick broke the course record at I'm blanking on the name of the course in the New York area. Oh, I can't remember the course, but he shot 11 under uh, broke the course record a couple of days ago. I don't know if that's much of an indication of anything other than a professional golfer is very good on uh, a private course that is not set up for pros. Uh, the only other thing about Fitzpatrick is, uh, you know, he is a, a very good off the tee and I don't think people realize that. And he's also a very good putter and those two things are pretty dangerous. So 66 to one, it's a good number. I'm not heavily invested in him um, outside of, um, I think I have a top 10 bet on him. I did not even bet the outright number. So I have a top 10 bet on him. Jay-Z is here, my main man. Rick, I feel like people are sleeping on Victor Hovland this week. I thought this would be a good a good fit for him. Uh, Hove, as usual, your instincts are pristine. Um, for me, the lack of chatter about Victor Hovland this week is just that uh, my baseline for Hovland is is so high. You know, I, I certainly don't think he's a bad play, and I don't think he's... A gra- I don't think he's worth talking about because I think he's always just a great play. He has uh, the ball striking capabilities that are pristine. The around the green game is starting to concern me just a little bit because this is the one aspect of his game that he was very candid about uh, being very, very bad at. Here's the stretch of golf that he played at the Puerto Rico Open or with the Puerto Rico Open win where he almost chipped himself out of it on Sunday and he gave us that famous quote, I suck at chipping. Yeah, he did during that time frame, and he actually has gotten much better over time, but we're starting to see the metrics slip a little bit, and I do wonder if this is going to cap his upside if he continues on this stretch of golf. So that's the only one concern that I have about Victor Hovland at the moment, but otherwise, um, otherwise I, I, think he's, I think he's phenomenal every week. Bubba Bandwagon seems to have a lot of people on it before he missed the Open, but now everyone seems off, worth going back. I think I mentioned Bubba at some point earlier in the week. Um, Bentgrass is unfortunately by far his worst surface. The results, um, you know, recently the three I'm open at the Wyndham 51st and 46th. It's, it's fine. It's not great. So I think I also have cooled on Bubba Watson. Um, I, I just, I just really worry about him putting on this surface that he is just historically very, very bad at. Uh, I've answered a couple of these, the who I've cooled on and who I've who I've risen on. Um, could you dive into Kepka stats on similar courses with bent grass? Is there a reason for concern with his short game at Memphis, or is that more of an outlier? So let's let's pull up Brooks here. And what I want to also do is I want to do a couple other things with Brooks here. So he's, he's historically not a very good uh, putter on bent. He's about a zero. Um, this to me, the, the 5.9 that you lose around the green at, at uh, Memphis, I'm, I don't think I'm that worried about that's, that's probably his worst ever. It, uh, it was so unlikely that something like that happens again. So I'm not all that concerned about that. The one thing I do want to do here is I want to go back to the Holy grail and I want to do. I want to do this by strength of field here. Um, 
because this is important. This is a historically good field, historically good, uh, meaning it is the best field assembled outside of a major championship or the player's championship ever. So I want to take a look at um, Brooks's results on, and actually, hold on, before I do that. Okay, yeah, just look. So all I did was take the database and and plug in, um, I think, 700 strength of field rating. That's an official world golf rankings rating and just see who it pumps out. Who's number one? Brooks Kepka's number one. Uh, Justin Thomas is number two. DJ three. Hideki four. That's what I was kind of talking about. Scotty Scheffler is five and he doesn't have as many rounds, but I think it's, 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 it's worth noting. So here's Kepka, uh, you know, in these strong fields, as you can imagine, over 700 strength of field. He's just, he's just been awesome. You know, it's major championships. It's big time events. Uh, no surprise that he puts his money where his, where his mouth is. So um, I am not nearly as concerned about Brooks this week. I think he's going to be just fine. I did my custom model for the week and four of my top five guys were Luke List, Kyle Stanley, Keegan Bradley, and Sergio Garcia. How much am I going to lose this week? Um, yeah, so I'm assuming your model did not take into account putting whatsoever because that's what that says to me. Uh, Todd says, cheers in the site rocks. Thank you very much. Hey, Rick. Hey, Eli. Do you have any strong feelings on power or McNeely? I know Seamus is a guy we all love, but would, would McNeely make more sense this week? Well, um, let's do, let's do this. Let's use a little bit of these new tools here. Let's do, um, last 36 rounds, just sort by strokes gain total and start to see where these guys pop up. You know, Seamus power, uh, I think has been much better than people want to give him credit for. He is right. Where are you at old Seamus? Oh boy. He can't be this slow. Here's McNeely. McNeely's uh, actually a loser over his last 36, but I bet you that gets a lot better in his last 24. Let's see. No, it really doesn't. Let's see what's going on here. Let's see what's going on here. Is it more recent than that, that McNeely's been good? Maybe it's not 24 rounds. This would be four, eight, 10, or four, wow, four, eight, 12, 16, 20. Yeah, it would be like 20. His last 20 are really, really good. His last 24, well, those last four are not as good. So wow, really, it's only 24, but he's been piling up uh, good results here. That that makes That's crazy to me because I always think 24 is kind of short term. It's really not. Like 12 would be much, much more volatile, much more shorter term, wouldn't it? Um, Interesting. Uh, I, I prefer, I prefer uh, power here. So what you're seeing is, is top 30 and top 20 upside from McNeely. What you're seeing from power is top 10 and winning upside. And I don't think he's going to win this like you won the Barbasol, but uh, to come out after a, a couple of weeks off, after you've been able to celebrate your victory, where you got to the finish line and at least make the cut at the Wyndham championship is a really good sign. He lost 2.6 strokes putting that's out of character for him. He, he didn't even play all that well and did not play to his DNA and made the cut. So I, I'm, I'm, still much more of a, a power guy here. Hey, Rick, in the middle of the pack, would you take out Rory, Bryson, or Berger? I'm not sure what this is referring to. And what are your thoughts on Mr. Wolf this week? I'm, I'm going to just take a stronger wait and see approach on, on Matt Wolf. I'm not sure what this question is. If you're in the middle of the pack, you should probably use... Bryson here because he'll probably be the least owned. Matt Wallace seems to be flying under the radar a bit, says Bobby. See, there's another Matt in this field. 
Thoughts on him and does he fit the course? Well, unfortunately for Matt Wallace, we have lost a lot of um, the really good vibes that we had from him, I guess, from April-ish to the PGA Championship where he was just piling up strokes from tee to green. We're not seeing that anymore. And not only are we not seeing that, uh, the putter has been really, really bad. So no, I'm I'm not nearly as as excited. He's very inaccurate off the tee. He's not even long enough to go with that. He's not a particularly good putter. I I I probably can't get there. There's really nothing that stands out here. TJ says, Rick, what's one super popular golfer that you would want to be overweight on in 150 lineups and one low-owned golfer you'd want to be overweight on? Oof. Um, if you were playing 150 and you were uh, trying to win all the money, the answer for the low owned guy that you'd want to be overweight on is probably Bryson. Uh, Cause I think when you do that, you want a guy with legitimate win equity. And if he wins at a low ownership, you're just in ultimate leverage of the field. Um, a, a high owned golfer that I'd be willing to be overweight on. I think burger is a good option. And I think English is a good option. They provide a little bit more uh, salary flexibility. I also think you could throw a web into that conversation just because they're all generally safer golfers with winning upside who are not as expensive. They're not going to burn you. I, I, I don't, I don't mind that group of guys. 30 person one and done ends after next week. I have Rory Hatton, Hideki and Harris available. You probably messed this up then. If you have all those guys available, just kidding. Um, you should probably play. Oh boy, uh, I would play Hideki this week and Rory next week is probably the way I would do it. Martin says, "What are your thoughts on Quebec Independence?" Oh, maybe it's Martine. Um, I don't know much about that, so I'll have to research that and get back to you. Any value on chasing Bryson Torney matchups? English plus one fifteen and Brooks plus one ten. I don't think so. So I would actually uh, make the case that you should probably be betting Bryson outright and matchups against him. Cause he's a very volatile golfer. When you're looking for volatility um, or when you have a volatile golfer, that's not necessarily a, a good blueprint for, for matchups. It's much better for outright. So I don't, I don't think I want to get, um, I don't think I want to get Bryson matchups there. Seeing a lot of Adam Scott buzz uh, save DJ for one and done. Should I stay the course? Yes. I think Adam Scott's great too, but if you have an opportunity to play DJ, over Adam Scott, you still have to take it, which is also why I like setting. So I'm going to do a video about this. I'm going to set a one and done uh, team for next year before the season starts, because I think it really removes a lot of the week by week biases. Um, you should, you should, you should take DJ. Thoughts on going back to Kevin, not immaculate form. The last three to four events. Is that true? Is that true? Um, I think we have a different definition definition of immaculate form here, Zach. So yeah, a couple of top tens at the Travelers and the Rocket Mortgage that were crutched by his putter, but that's okay because he's he's a kind of a putting specialist. That's fine. Open championship, he made the cut, didn't play all that well. WGC finished near dead last and lost nine strokes on approach, and then he wins. I think we have a different definition of uh, immaculate form. I think it's at least warm because he's shown the upside. He's leaned on his best weapon, with his, which is the putter. I think it's fine. I'm, I don't... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. That's Kevin Na. You're talking about Kevin Na. Wow. My bad. I'm glad I reread that. Uh, 
Kevin Na. Let's see about this. I mean, this is, I guess, a little bit better. You know, back-to-back or runner-up finishes in two of his last three. A twenty-third at the um, at the WGC in Memphis. He was great ball striking, although that's probably not going to happen again because that's not really his game. Um, it's this is kind of a weird. This is kind of an outside the line blueprint for for Kevin Na, where he loses strokes just a little bit. He's a zero in his last two events, and then in his at Wyndham, that might be his best strokes gained approach week ever. No, not even close. Uh, but it's up there. So I think this is kind of uncharacteristically way of doing it for Kevin Na. It's not bad. I actually would prefer this week by week. So yes, I'd, I'd go with Na over Kisner. <laughs> uh, how low can we go? Asked Cody. Well, I think you can go pretty low this week because there is uh, the situation where this is such a strong field and all of these guys have kind of played their way into it that it is, um, it's pretty deep down here. So, so Hank Lee Biot at 6,300 is calling my name. Uh, the stretch of golf that he played uh, before he had the WD on Friday night. And then his first event back, he misses the cut. I'm, I don't care about that. I, I wouldn't mind going to Lee Biota. Would I go lower? Maybe Cheston Hadley. And maybe Harry Higgs. But I, I am not, I'd have to be making a lot of lineups for that to happen. I've got a one and done dilemma, don't we all? Leading my group and still have DJ, Xander, and Rom left for the playoffs. In what order should I deploy them? So I'll just answer a lot. So I've gotten a lot of these questions this week. Um, generally speaking, you can't go wrong. Uh, you have, you're going to have one of the top three favorites um, every single week of the playoffs. And there is uh, a course we don't have a lot of history on this week. There is a, a brand new course next week. And then we have Eastlake for the tour championship. You probably cannot go wrong here. If you're, if you're one and done uses starting strokes for the tour championship, you, you got to save the guy who's going to likely be number one, or at least have a chance to be. So, um, I don't know if that's going to be Rom or Xander. I'd have to pull up the FedEx cup standings because Rom kind of got, he lost out on the points from the Memorial and all that good stuff. So we'd have to check on that. And Xander didn't get points for the Olympics. So it's kind of weird. Um, but generally you can't be wrong here. I would probably like, I don't just do whatever your gut says. You're leading your group. You have three events left. You've made a lot of good decisions to this point. Continue to make good decisions. Watching the Rick run good. Love the show. Thanks. No, thank you. I know you're high on web this week. Could you compare him and Sam Burns? Uh, they're two very different guys, right? They get it done in different ways. You know, Sam Burns is, um, he's struggled at major championships, but outside of that, he's been, he's been generally very good. Concerns around Burns is that he's a lot more volatile. He's a lot riskier. Other concerns around Burns is he's not very good on bent grass. Uh, Webb Simpson to me is uh, a legitimate high-end winning golfer who plays well on bent, who led the field in strokes gained approach and strokes gained ball striking last week, who um, you know probably should have won in 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 uh, at Sedgefield again. So uh, to me, I love them both, but I I I don't think they comp all that much. I think it's I think it's Weber week. What's up, Rick? Hey, pumped for the weekend. Percentage wise, what's a good? What's your bankroll split? What, Jesus, what's your bankroll split between DFS lineups and betting on any given golf event? Ooh, for me, it's probably, it's honestly probably close to 50, 50. I don't play a ton of lineups. I play a lot of like single entry stuff. I then also, 
Um, I fire a lot, you know, be, being in Nevada, uh, is, you know, I have access to a lot. So that has definitely been a bigger chunk of, um, of kind of my bankroll, but a lot, a lot of it's just personal preference. Do you put any weight into where a golfer is in the FedEx cup standings? Not really. Talked about Matsuyama a lot. So I'm going to skip that. Talked about Hovland. I'm going to skip that. Kokrak, Poulter, or Sergio? I'm a pretty big Poulter fan this week. Um, you know, he's made a lot of cuts in a row. He he's uh his most recent start was the 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 event in Memphis, the WGC, in which he finished 10th. He's a great putter on Bencrass. The last time we went to Liberty National, he finished 10th. I'm pretty big on Poulter. What do you think about Higo? Interesting. It seemed like he was playing well before the stomach bug. Uh, do I have his round by round in here? So sometimes when guys WD, the tour doesn't like send over. Okay, so here we go. They do. Okay, sometimes they don't send over like the full the full stuff round by round here. So here we go. So the WD round one, um, he was he was okay. Round two, fine. Really struggling on and around the green. Round three, better. Um, I don't see all that much here. I, I, To me, we're still learning what Garrick Higo is going to be. And looking at his round by round here, it's hard to describe him as a very good ball striker, right? I mean, he, he, he loses on approach probably half the time. He loses off the tee probably 30% of the time, maybe 40% of the time. Um, I don't see what his strengths are particularly. So I'm, I'm, cautiously waiting to find out what type of version Garrick Higo is. Hey Rick, what's the main difference between your site and fantasy national? Um, I don't know. I've never, uh, I've never been on that site, so I can't say I imagine, um, what, from what people tell me, I, I, I don't build, I build in visualizations. So like what you see is all very flexible. The, my ability to make quick updates, um, and roll out a new Holy grail and add, another million data points into it is, is pretty quick. Um, if there's a no cut event, I can be flexible. If there's an odd event, I can be flexible. I don't know. I think you should try out every site that's available and find the one that's right for you. A couple of us sports books have promos where if your golfer gets a top five or top 10, but doesn't win, but you get your bet back, what would you be betting in this promo? I took Spieth and Rory. Oh, um, well, I wish that was always the case. Right. And that's kind of like, it's, I don't want to say it's an each way. It's like kind of an each way, right? Where it's a long story, but um, I would say this doesn't really change. Well, I guess it might because who, so you're saying who is likely to finish inside the top five or 10, even if they don't win. So, so the opposite of that would be like Bryson wouldn't be good for this because Bryson he's probably going to win or he's going to finish dead last. Like those are the outcomes for Bryson. So I think, I think you're on the right track. Uh, Rory might be a little more volatile, like like Rom and Spieth, I think, are two guys that are probably piling up top tens at a pretty prolific clip. Webb Simpson, who you get the winning upside, but has a ton of top 10 equity, I think might be interesting. Like a Harris English too, someone like that. You need a more kind of a consistent player. New York fans are brutal. Any fears of Brooksy Chance weighing on Bryson? Yes. Oh, snap. The newsletter just hit the inbox. Let's go. Um... 
I'll be there Sunday, deaf yelling Brooksy. Mm, it's kind of lame. How would you construct your lineup if you were playing this week and only playing a single entry? Uh, generally stars and scrubs ish. Uh, the, the scrubs in this field are better. They're, they're great. They're great scrubs. It is a field where you're gonna have to go from 124 to, to, uh, 124 to make the cut is, is a lot easier than a full field event. So I, I think you should generally be playing a, a stars and scrubs type situation. Is Paul Casey being slept on? Yes. Love the content, Rick. One and done question. Two left. Bryson and Rory leaning Rory to get me back into the top 10 thoughts. Probably can't go wrong. Um, if yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. What are Ian Poulter's chances of taking a win here? Probably small one and a half percent, but, um, that's a lot better than a lot of these other guys. Let's talk, let's do Wolf because there's a lot of questions about Wolf. Am I missing something here? Let's, let's go look at this. Good on Bencrest. I think that's nice. Wolf, since he's gained three strokes in every category in his last four events. What is, what does that mean? Am I crazy to like Wolf since he's gained three strokes in every category in his last four events? I'm not sure I'm following here, Russell. Last, last, uh, Wyndham, he gained three off the tee. In Memphis, he didn't gain three anywhere. He gained two and a half around the green, 2.7 putting. He did gain three putting at the 3M and gains 3.8 TD. I, I guess what you're saying is he has this upside, um, which I get. But to me, this, this I call this whack-a-mole, right? Where it's something different every single week. And generally speaking, that's it's not a good combination. Um, I, I, I want him to put this together. I also, what I would really, I would be much more comfortable playing Matt Wolf if he gains one and a half strokes off the tee every single week. Not like three or four and then lose four or lose seven, but that's the weapon. It's the weapon. This is this is a very concerning stat line for this guy. Look at what he did when he first came out. Absolutely dominant off the tee. That's that's the version. I just think we're far away. I don't know if we're far away. I just think we're it's not it's not the profile. Here's another question that um I get a lot and I can't answer this. So in a, in a 10,000 entry five max, what player pool do you recommend? What size player pool? This is a uh, entirely personal preference. It is uh, entirely your risk tolerance. I'm a very risky person. I would make my core very, very, very small. Um, I would only play a handful of guys over five, over five lineups. Uh, some people would play 30 players over five different lineups, six different guys in each one. It's really personal preference. If you're five hit, you know, if your small core hits, uh, you're going to give yourself more bullets at winning. If you want to spread it out and try to get one or two lineups that cash, you have to do it that way. So unfortunately, Connor, I apologize. I, that's not a question that has a right answer. Best play. If you have to play a guy under $7,000 in a big field, so under 7,000 and we need probably high upside and low ownership. Um, that golfer is probably, Interesting. <laughs> that golfer is probably, I was hoping it was going to come to me as I was, as I was saying that. Um, wow. Is it Chris Kirk? I mean, we've seen Chris Kirk and it's probably uh, Chris Kirk or Roger Sloan. 
So I think we have to continue to take Sloan seriously. He's been improving it on his finishes uh, every single week. He was in the playoff at the Wyndham. He's doing it in a, in a pretty decent way. He's he's generally well rounded across the board. I, I think it's I think the answer to that question is Sloan. Oh, don't keep putting the same question in the chat like nine times. I'm I'm going in an order, so it's not it's not helping your situation. Um, thoughts on Hatton? Uh, I think he's too cheap. You know, if you go to the Holy Grail and you go to the fantasy data and you look up Terrell Hatton, you're going to see a guy who is generally um, much more expensive than he is right now. And I think I think he was the similar price last week. He was seventy four hundred. I think he's what seventy eight hundred dollars this week. Um, I, I think he is much too cheap. And if you look at his his draft kings gained, which is uh, how many points he gains to the field, just like strokes gained or whatever, but it's in terms of fantasy points. He's generally pretty good, uh, and he can gain a lot to the field. He can do it at low ownership, and he's a, and he's a good approach player. So um, I, I don't know if this is the week. I think there's going to be a week where he wins people a lot of a lot of money, uh, and and his price is his, his price is much too low. Do the Lakers win the championship this season? Um, no, I'll take the I'll take the twenty nine other teams or th- how many teams do they have thirty two or thirty. I'll take the twenty nine other teams. Can we play Kepka and Bryce in the same lineup? Uh, yeah, I think you'd be super contrarian, which would be kind of cool. Non-DFS play, Berger or Kepka? Kepka. Okay. Torch, again, one and done, tour championship starting with the strokes. If you are starting with the strokes, you need to find the golfer who will be the highest in the FedEx Cup uh, at the end of the BMW championship. So what you're going to have to do is, I don't have the FedEx Cup standings in front of me, but um, go look at Hovland, Matsuyama, Thomas, whoever's currently the highest, hang on to that guy. Uh, if you If you have to burn... Hovland and eventually he jumps up to, you know, like if Hovland won this week and would jump up to number one in the FedEx cup points, at least you got the win this week. So, uh, it's, it's all of you. You have, have to, have to, have to save the guy who's the highest in the standings. Here you go. Thanks, Jeff. There's six Matt or Matthews in the field Four go by Matt Two go by Matthew beauty. Thank you. <laughs> um, lot of one and done questions that I've answered. Just moved to Vegas. Do you ever go out and play poker? So no, but I've been getting the itch. Uh, my wife doesn't know this, but she's listening. So I'm going to be a little bit careful about how that's. I so, so um, I'm getting the itch. Soon enough, I will go out there and uh, find somewhere to play. Maybe Red Rock off the strip or maybe... Uh, I'm getting a telemarketer call now. Maybe I don't know where I'd go. Where where should I go? I don't know. I'm gonna I'm going to. I haven't figured it out yet. Uh Rick, are you running your one and done again? No. How are playoffs going to work? New to the end of the season. So three events. Here we go. This is 124 golfers. They're gonna be cut down to 70 this week. After this week, they're gonna go down to 30 for the tour championship, but the tour championship has starting strokes. So if you are first in the FedEx cup points, uh, you start at 10 under par. If you are second, you start at eight under third, seven under six under five under. Then a bunch of guys start at five under a bunch of guys start at four under three under two under even par. And then they play. And the winner of that final event 
considering the starting strokes wins the FedEx Cup. Let's go. That's how it works. Um, super chat from Scarecrow06. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Players over 100 in the FedEx Cup rankings have to be aggressive to get under 70, meaning more birdies, but also meaning more bogeys. This makes sense. Or am I stretching it? No, it makes complete sense. And we heard that last week as guys were trying to get in to the um, uh, to into the playoffs. We knew that they were keeping an eye on where they were at and trying to figure out which uh, events that they had to, or which holes, excuse me, they had to take dead aim at which ones could they kind of play it a little bit safer. So no, it is, they're going to make those decisions this week. So, um, I don't know what Adam Scott's, uh, uh FedEx cup ranking is. I think he's, well, I know he was in the playoffs, so I don't know how many points he got for a five way tie for second, but, um, he might be a good, a good target there. Rick, love the vlogs. Thank you. Do you think Grace and Sloan can keep the positive momentum? Yeah. So I talked about Sloan a little bit, but Grace has actually been uh, probably more impressive than I think people want to give him credit for here. So this is a pretty good like run of golf, right? He gains strokes to the, to the field a, a lot, often, more often than not. His last three measured events, he's gained strokes on approach. His short game's pretty savvy. I mean, considering his price and considering the... Um, general non-narratives around him or lack of sentiment around him. I do, I do think he's, he's a pretty decent play. Do you think it'd be smarter to make a lineup with one heavy favorite to win or make a, make a bunch of 8k players? Let's look. One to win. Um, because here's the situation and, and I'm going to just throw these off the top of my head. Let's say John Rahm's implied odds to win this event are like 10%. So let's say he wins it 10% of the time. That might be too much. Maybe he wins it 8% of the time. But if he wins it 8% of the time, um, if you have like, how often does Neiman plus Connors plus Scott plus Cameron Smith win it? They might each might win it 1% of the time or 1.5% of the time. And that's not 8 or 10% if you add it all up. So it's a share of the win equity. Uh, so I think the answer is always, almost always going to be generally um, the one big guy at the top. Love the show. Keep it up. Thank you. Have you run a new model? No, I haven't. But while we're here, here is the... Uh, custom model on rickrungood.com. And I just had an epiphany that 24 rounds was too long. Let's just do 12 rounds. You want to get real freaky with this? I mean, this is the playoffs. This is guys playing hot. Like let's just, let's just do that. Here's what I think you're going to need this week. Um, I'm going to try to, um, I can't remember what I did in the, in the, in the DFS preview, but what I would generally do right now is distance and accuracy. Um, 15 on distance, 10 on accuracy. Now I don't have to do strokes gained off the tee. Now I'm going to put a heavy weight on approach, 25. And now I'm going to put 20 on birdie or better. So that gives me 30 to work with. Um, I also kind of want to do, some of these par fours are pretty interesting. I think we're going to do 15 on par four scoring. And then we are going to do, I don't want to double count anything here. Let's do, let's do three. Well, let's do three putt avoidance. I don't have a, a strokes. Uh, no, let's just do strokes game putting. Strokes game putting is probably better anyway. Okay. So that gives me, and this is going to be very, very volatile because of, yeah, because I only did 12 rounds. Look at this. Roger Sloan, one. Johnny Vegas, a lot of questions about him, two. John Rahm, three. 
Hadley, Ford, Lebiota, English, Morikawa, Power, Answer, and Brandon Grace. My top 10. This is These are guys playing well. 12 rounds is a very, very, very small sample size. Um, I like it. I kind of like it. Hey, Rick, am I crazy to pivot Jonathan Vegas in the 7,000s? No, he just popped up second on my model. <laughs> Have at it. Why not all bombers this week? Long course, damp fairways, no rough, lots of 175 to 200 approach. Well, um, I have a couple of flaw. I have a couple of concerns with that statement. So um, where do I want to start here? So like, let's do this. Here's the problem. So let's do driving distance in the last 50 rounds. Um, Garrick Higo. Well, he only has, well, hold on, 50 rounds. Eric Higo would only has four. No, nah, don't do this. Uh, let's do, I mean, like, are you going to, what are you going to do? Play Hagee and, and Clark and Champ? Like, these guys just stink. That's problem number one. Problem number two is um, <laughs> lots of 175 to 200 approaches. Does n- That's not the same for the Bombers. So we've now we've now just contradicted ourselves here, right? Because uh, in theory, that's the average. Uh, the bombers are going to be closer than the average. So I just I have a lot of issues with that statement. A lot of Roger Sloan questions. I love him. Let's go. A lot of uh, a lot of these I've answered. Hey Rick, how does the randomness field work on Rick Run Good lineup optimizer? Um, it, it basically is just like a multiple. So if you basically add ten percent of randomness, it's going to randomize kind of the results more, right? So if if, if the result would have been a hundred, it might be one ten somewhere between one hundred and one ten, or somewhere between uh, one hundred and, and ninety. So basically ninety to one ten. It just adds a bit more uh, randomness, which in a sport like golf, that's that's really what we need to be doing. I love playing all over. Download the Bravo Poker app. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you. I read there is a cut Friday. Is that correct? Yes. Last one of the year. Talk me into taking Scotty Scheffler in my one and done. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of a rude thing to say. Um, this is a very easy conversation to have. He is not only like, if you do, um, oh man, I'm such a bad clicker. Yeah, share my screen while I'm moving around. Um, if you do a couple of things here, and I and this is in the the run good rundown. Uh, he only has 12 rounds in the playoffs, but those 12 rounds in the playoffs have been better than anybody in the playoffs uh, since the start of 2011 average in terms of strokes gain total. The other thing is, uh, if you look at, and I think if you also do strength of field, because he's been good in major championships as well. Let's see where he's at. Oh, maybe he has not been as good. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm not, I'm, I got to sort by total here. Yeah, here he is. So only 55 rounds. He is only behind Kepka, Thomas, DJ, and Hideki in terms of strong field events. So um, go for it.
Yes, I yeah, no, no reason to stay away from Hideki other than he's just a very volatile golfer. Uh we had a lot of similar questions here. So I'm actually I'm actually towards the bottom, but let me go back because I might have missed a couple of these because a lot of them have been the same, but I've got a couple minutes here. Maybe I can maybe I can deep dive some of these. Um let's talk about Patrick Cantley. So Cantley has um Joey LaCava on the bag, which I I don't necessarily think is like a huge automatic boost to him, but I do want to kind of look at what he's been doing. Um, the good news is bent is, uh, is indeed his best surface and you get a golfer who outside of, of this five, six, seven, uh, event stretch, uh, with the poor putter, he's been much, much better. Uh, even with the 3.6 that he lost in St. at, in, in Memphis, he finished 23rd. So I I'm a little bit concerned. So when, what happens is when you have a golfer who really struggled with one aspect, especially the putter, and then they kind of fix it for a couple of weeks, and then they have like a regression, which is what we saw at Memphis, this can go two ways. Sometimes it it spirals and they fall back into those bad habits that we saw earlier, or this is just an outlier. So I don't know what we're going to get from Patrick Cantley in terms of the putter this week. I'm hoping it's an outlier and I'm hoping he's able to just put it all together, but um, that would be a little bit of a concern for me, but I think there are uh, certainly plenty of plenty of positives for, for Patrick Cantley. Do you have an under does do you have an understanding of how the FedEx Cup points work? What would someone in the 115 to 120 range need to move into the top 30 in three weeks? Well, uh, they don't need to so so they have two weeks to do it, which is good. There is a um there's a chart, uh PGA Tour FedEx Cup points distribution. So they they get massively increased here in the playoffs. They get like quadrupled. So here are the point distribution. So I don't have, um, hold on. I want the playoff distributions. Why is that? Why, why is the PGA tour website so hard to navigate? You know, I think I'm a pretty savvy guy. So hard to navigate. Here we go. Here's the distribution for the playoffs. Um, First is 2,000 points. So you can make a pretty huge move. Now, you've got to realize that everyone else is getting a lot more points too. Um, and you got to see how many points back they are. But this is generally pretty easy now that we are in the playoffs uh, to make big moves, is I guess, as I guess the short of it. Who gains more strokes putting head-to-head? Me, Rick Gaiman, or Kyle Stanley? What would the odds be for each side? So I uh, generally do not think that I can beat a professional doing anything. However, the closest thing that that could happen is me beating Kyle Stanley in a putting contest. Uh, I actually think that if Kyle if Kyle Stanley let me putt, he might do better. He's and I don't think I'm good. He's that bad. It's 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 incredible. Hey Rick, just joined the site and I have no idea how your Holy Grail works. Help. Um, all right. Well, I, I'll record a tutorial, uh, but generally speaking, it's kind of similar to what you saw or, or what is already out there, which there is a tutorial for, but you can just go through and choose anything you want, you know, choose at the top. Do you want results? Strokes gained by rounds, strokes gained by tournament, fantasy data. Do you want stats? What years do you want? Just start clicking through. This is the aggregates up at the top. And these are your game logs down at the bottom.
you'll get used to it. A couple minutes, you'll get used to it. Reach out to me if you need any help. Um, all right. I've answered a lot of these and I am absolutely, uh, starving. So it is, uh, lunchtime here. And, uh, am I crazy to avoid the seven K range in a single entry? I'm leaning towards an extreme stars and scrubs. Yes, do it. Seven K range is not nearly as good as the six K range, or at least there's not that big of a difference. And, uh, you got to get the ties guys at the top. Okay. Um, I am going to eat lunch now. I wish you all the best. I wish you all good luck. Join me at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time this evening for the Jock Market Power Hour. Make sure you hit the like button on your way out. Good luck. Pet your dogs. And uh, goodbye.